What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome in, everybody. This is the Coast to Coast Football Podcast on Friday morning, just a little bit after 9 o'clock. We're running a couple minutes late. We appreciate your patience. Why do we call this Coast to Coast? Because I am in Atlanta. This guy over here, Nick Kendall, is in Seattle. My name is Scott Kennedy. He's in Seattle. So we are Coast to Coast with your football takes. On Fridays, we like to talk a lot of NFL, and we're going to dig into the top matchups of the Week 15 as we get into crunch time for the NFL playoffs. All the seeds are up for grabs. All the wild card spots are up for grabs. Well, even the Raiders might even be alive after last night. So it's going to be fun. Nick, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing pretty well, pretty well. Can't complain. It's cold here. I uh, We did a Costco run last night, and I know a lot of people love Costco. That place is just, the shopping carts are too big. The, I just I can never finish anything. I don't know. If I had a family of like eight, I, I would totally understand the benefit of Costco. But uh, every time I'm in there, I feel like I'm going to have like a panic attack. It's just, it's it's overwhelming. All right, my friend Alan True is a comedian, and I said, okay, if you need two minutes, you, you open up. Well, my, my two minutes to open up has changed through the years, but Costco is one of them as far as my, I'll do two minutes of stand-up. And it has to do with when you were growing up. See, when when you're my age and you're growing up, the, the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue was the, ooh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> then you get a little older, and, you know, in my I was subscribed to Playboy magazine and I had Playboy magazine and I was like, you know, in your twenties, you're like, Ooh, yeah. And then by in your thirties, you actually start with the articles and look at the cars and you're like, Oh yeah. By the time you're my age, it's the Costco magazine, little booklet that comes in the mail. You're like, Oh baby, check that out. 80 inch TV for $700. Oh yeah. I gotta have some of that. So yeah, that's one of the things of getting older is I look forward to the Costco and Sam's Club booklets coming in the mail. <laughs> it's uh, it's pretty amazing. So a shout out to my buddy who is a uh, works at Costco and got me that uh, friends and family uh, membership. So, but it's a it's a wild place. Yeah, it's uh, it's a dangerous place, is what it is. Um, we're gonna hit on all the big matchups. There's a lot of them, maybe not quite as many as last week, but still plenty of them. And Saturday is gonna be huge. For playoff implications uh first up i want to talk just a little bit of recap now before we do anything i want to take care of some business we do this live on in the mornings because we like having interaction with fans and fans like john harrell coming in with support for the show he says good morning scott and nick and crew happy friday he's coming in with a top rope super chat to close out the football week as we head into football weekend fifty dollars john thank you so much keeping the lights on keeping my forehead nice and shiny and um, it reminds me, I want to say a, a thank you to our friend EJ, 
who came in after the fact. He came in earlier this week for last week's Coast to Coast Football. And on YouTube, he dropped a $100 super thanks. Thank you, EJ. What that helps us do is, it, like I said, it encourages us to keep doing more of these type of things. Nick and I have expanded our offerings since we've been working together for almost three years now, and hopefully this product keeps getting better and better. I feel like it does. I might be biased. It doesn't mean I'm wrong, but it, it does because of people like you, John, EJ, Michael, Dave's in the house, Boo Dog's coming in. Thank you so much, everybody. Yeah, I appreciate y'all. I can't promise about the product getting better, uh, but we're here. Uh, Scott's, Scott's getting better. I, I, I don't know. I'm just here having fun. No, I it's, really do appreciate you, John. better for sure. Good microphone. You know, the production value. Nice green screen. Yeah, trying absolutely. to trying to do better, do it for y'all. Um, so what I'm trying to do is that's what I always ask out of everything. Is, you don't have to be get it right now, but just always try and get better. Um, so thank you, John. Um, want to say hello, Dave. Say hello, Boo Doggy's coming in over on Facebook as well. Clayton's coming in. It says, Go Falcons. I paid $160 for front row seats a few weeks ago. They're still cheap, but I should have waited for the 50 cent tickets for the Atlanta Falcons at Carolina Panthers game. And I'm like, dude, that's still too rich for my blood. I uh, I like some of the comments under there, Clayton, and when I saw it on, on Twix, was like, uh, you know, now it's $99.50 with fees from Ticketmaster. <laughs> but yeah, and, and uh, you know, hey, if, if I wanted to go, if I was in Charlotte, yeah, it'd be a, a nice cheap way to go to the game. Two inches of rain, I had to buy Falcons ponchos. It might be a little rough. Um Ryan says, if only Arthur Scott had your brain, only Arthur Smith had your brain, Scott, we would be the best offense in the league. My, I'm trying to be smart enough to know what I don't know and try and spot talent. So I would, I would hire an offensive coordinator. I would go out and try and surround myself with the best freaking staff I possibly could. That's what I've always tried to do. Um, so I work with this guy. He's really good. He's young. He's up and coming. He's young. Nick's good at this. He's got a career in this business if he wants one. So I appreciate the good words, Ryan. Certainly appreciate your, your support on the channel as well. Chase Wellner says, good morning, guys. Good morning, everybody. Before we get into some of the coming up matchups, because Saturday, tomorrow is going to be huge. What about the Raiders last night, Nick? We talked some Raiders and Chargers last night and the difference between having an interim coach, which is a question of like, hey, if you're going to make a move, why not make one now? And having a dead man walking. And the difference it can make down the stretch, Nick. I mean, absolutely bizarre turn of events. The Chargers are just talk about dead man walking Brandon Staley. But the fact that the Raiders put up zero points against the Vikings last week to put up 63 this week. I mean, I'm going to get whiplash. I don't, it makes me nervous about the Broncos because they beat up on that Chargers team. Oh, we maybe, you know, we're, we keep winning. We look pretty good. And then you see that uh, output from the Chargers like, oh, well, maybe <laughs> what, what even is that team? So. I guess shout out to the Raiders on that one. They played tough, especially after getting uh, offensively embarrassed at home, losing three to zero, six to zero, whatever the it heck it was. Zero. The game three was to zero. Three to zero. Beautiful. Only could have been outdone by two to zero. Yeah. Uh, but uh, that was a heck of a game by them. I don't know what the heck's going on with the Chargers. I'm excited that the Broncos have another game against the Chargers still. Uh, we'll see what happens by the time we get there. Uh, but uh, that's probably the Broncos' easiest schedule left. And uh, yeah, Brandon Staley, I don't know what's going to happen with the Chargers. I, Brandon Staley gets a lot of heat. We need to come after Telesco, too. I mean, the offensive, uh, the drafting that they've had there has been pretty poor, obviously. I mean, you see some teams, we've seen so many teams lose their quarterbacks this season. 
haven't looked like that. <laughs> not even close to that. So it's not just Staley. I think we need to come after the general manager too. Yeah, for, for sure. Um, you know, we talk about imbalance in a team. And, and didn't they make some moves in the offseason that was like, oh, this is really a team to watch? Um, every offseason. Yeah. <laughs> every offseason. So they could be, they, they will be one of those teams in the hunt for a new coach. I feel fairly confident in saying that. And it could be as soon as today. Yeah. Um, it, it could happen as soon as today. Um, and you get embarrassed like that on national TV on a Thursday night, going into a long weekend with a long week. It Brandon Staley could be out today. And um, like I said, I don't always feel I, I, I don't want anybody to be fired typically, um, you know, for personal reasons. But I don't feel too bad for these guys that are head coaches at P5 conferences or above because they're getting eight figure contracts. Uh, mm -hmm. They're set for life. The assistants and the administrative staff, it's a little tougher. They 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 don't make that kind of they don't make life life money the minute they ink their first uh, head coaching contract. So it, it does become tough this time of year. Uh, Michael Ranquillo joining us as well. He says, good morning, Scott and Nick on Coast to Coast. Good to see you, Michael. Hope you're having a great Friday and enjoyed that game last night as a Bronco fan. Uh, Michael Dominic says, good morning, fellas. Good morning to you as well. And Keith Robbins is in the house as well. Uh, Winston, uh, it looks like the, the Facebook algorithm is starting to reach out and find some of our, our, our friends out there that are joining the chat. Um, next game on the docket is tomorrow, which is a really big game on both sides of the AFC playoff race, or I'm sorry, that's the next one. But the Minnesota Vikings at seven and six are in a spot right now. And the Cincinnati Bengals are just on the outside looking in. This is a crucial game for both teams, Nick. It looks like the Bengals have something in Jake Browning and the Vikings are still looking for answers at quarterback. Yeah. Jake Browning, the story is pretty darn remarkable. We have to give a shout out, obviously to Zach Taylor and Brian Callahan, offensive coordinator there. The offense, what they're doing with Jake Browning is completely different than what we've seen with Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow, you know, looks a little bit more shotgun, surveying the field, quick pass game, and they're really going much more to the Kyle Shanahan-esque uh, style Browning play action, get the running backs involved in the screen game. Shout out Chase Brown, University of Illinois out there, doing some things for them there. Uh, so it's been pretty impressive. And the Jake Browning story itself is unbelievable. It's going to be a book or something at some point. I mean, he was bouncing around the league for a while. He was, I guess a day away from driving down to Oregon state Corvallis and joining the coaching staff there. And they called him in and he made himself somewhat ind indispensable. Uh, he was joining all the defensive meetings. He was uh, with, with all the coaches constantly sitting with guys, really just kind of taking the, the mentor coaching side of things and giving insight. And the Bengals last year rewarded him with a few activations, get him a few extra dollars. And here we are today. Uh, former Washington Husky Browning has been uh, playing pretty well. I think personally, I know he's playing well, I think it's more system uh, than it is Browning. I'm kind of waiting for the shoe to drop as far as there's going to be some sort of route concept or area of the field that's going to be exploitable that he's just not going to get because he doesn't have the RPMs on the arm. Uh, but he's playing pretty well. Jamar Chase is quarterback independent. And uh, shout out to the Bengals coaching staff there. Uh, Armenio, I can never remember the defensive coordinator name, uh, but they got a heck of a staff and they're doing good things out there. Yeah, and Keith says, why can't the Falcons find them a Browning? Um. It, it, this is it could be short term and, and it will be short term. Browning will be a free agent. You want a Browning, go get a Browning because he he will not be the number one quarterback in Cincinnati. Joe Burrow will. It's, you know, even financially speaking, that's just the way it's going to be. Um, so, again, as Nick says, sample size, you know, we've seen guys come out hot. Bailey Zappi was the big thing for a little while last year. Mac Jones 
uh, two years ago. So can you sustain it? it that, that's what makes it, you know, um, the Falcons have had Desmond Ritter had some good games. Marcus Mariota was AFC, or NFC player of the week one week. And then, you know, NFC goat of the week, the bad goat, you know, when, you know, not the greatest of all time goat, but the, you're the, that's how I grew up with goat. Fault. It was, it's yeah, your you're fault. at fault. <laughs> you're the hero or the goat. Yeah. You know, so we'll, we'll see how it goes. But again, there's more experience there, but I don't think it's a big statement to say Zach Taylor is a better quarterback coach and offensive coordinator than Arthur Smith at this stage of their careers. And, and I mean, they what how drastic they were able to change things and their points of emphasis. I mean, that's good coaches are able to take what pieces you have and say, okay, what works? That's part of also what Browning uh, has done as well. They've gone through games and practice and whatnot. He said, these are the things I need to work on. And they've cobbled together schemes, preferences, designs that – he feels comfortable executing. Uh, so it's not just, this is my system. This is what you're running. It's okay. What can we do within the parameters of our system to make you a better player? And again, shout out to the Bengals staff. They were left for dead, rightfully so after Burrow died and how they looked a lot this season. <laughs> and now they look uh, really feisty, still low playoff odds. Uh, but I mean, man, uh, again, I keep coming back to a coaching staff, pretty incredible. Also the, the bones of the offense, pretty great as well. T. Higgins, uh, obviously Jamar Chase, uh, offensive line, running backs that they've been somewhat maligned during the Burrow era, but they're getting it done right now with Browning. Yeah, the Bengals right now are at only a thirty percent at seven and six, but a win would help them out considerably. Um, and just bringing it back to the Vikings, uh, and then we'll talk. We'll, we'll get you, Michael, on this that I've got you shown on the screen about the Chargers. Uh, bringing it back to the Vikings. Josh Dobbs was flavor of the month for a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, now he's third team. You know, now he's the emergency quarterback. He's been put behind. Uh, I'm not sure who's starting for the the Vikings. I've already forgotten. I know the rookie Jaron Hall is backup. It's Nick Mullins. Okay, I don't know much about Nick Mullins. He was that guy who came out of nowhere that uh, the 49ers won a bunch of games with, and people were like, oh my gosh, this Mullins guy might be okay. But really, it was the Kyle Shanahan. You know puppet master stuff going on there in San Francisco. Yeah. Uh, so he won some games. He has some starts, but limited quarterback and Dobbs incredible athlete can do some stuff, but the drop back pass game, even though he's a rocket scientist, just doesn't see the field very well. I mean, there's a difference between processing intelligence and understanding uh, leverages and spacing uh, and being able to analyze that and understand where the ball needs to go versus, you know, book smart, Josh Dobbs, obviously brilliant in that regard. So yeah. Nick Mullins so, will be better in the drop back pass game. I like the uh I like the, the Bengals in this one. Um it's at home. They're much more settled, as strange as that sounds, at the quarterback position. They're playing really well. The Bengals and Bills are turning into the teams that you know we thought they would be towards the end of the season. Will it be too late? Can either or both of them still get into the playoffs? Got another big matchup coming up with the Bills this week. What happened we to the Chargers? I just want to give a shout out to the Vikings defense. Again, we kind of hinted at them earlier, but shutting out the Raiders team that just put up 63 the week prior, and they are fourth, I think, right now in EPA per play. They've been trending up. Uh, What Brian Flores has done has been phenomenal. I mean, he had top 10 defenses every year he was at Miami. It's just the offense there was dreadful, and they are blitzing like crazy. I mean, they're almost a – Blitzing's popular right now, but how much the Vikings do it and where they do it from is almost like a curveball compared to the rest of the league. And I know that with the NFL lawsuit stuff with Brian Flores, I don't, he's not totally toxic, obviously, because he's a defensive coordinator for a, a team, but he should be getting head coaching interviews. I know everybody wants an offensive line, but he's yeah, been he pretty phenomenal uh, out there in Minnesota, the fourth best EPA defense there, getting after the quarterback. And that's not a team. 
defense that is littered with superstars. I mean, you got Daniel Hunter after that. It's like, I'm scratching my head a little bit uh, as far as the, you know, the all pro difference makers, first round talents. This out there is pretty good too. Yeah, he is, but he's got to be like 35, 36, you know, yeah, like but a, you know, it's safety. You can get away with that to a certain extent. Um, yeah, he's good. I just don't know if difference maker is yeah. where I would place him now. Uh, the Bengals have a tough road, but it looks like, you know, I, I think they, they, well, at seven and six, they hold their destiny in their own hands. They have Minnesota, a seven and six team. They've got at Pittsburgh, never an easy game, despite the fact that Pittsburgh made the last two look easy at Kansas city, who could be playing for something. And then Cleveland at home, and that could be a uh, a play in game right up. Was it seventy one there? I take seventy five to Cincinnati, and then and then head north to Akron when I used to drive up there when I was a kid, get driven up there when I was a kid up there for for Christmas and stuff this time of year. Um, let me see here. Michael also asked, "What happened to the Chargers? You know what what happened to the Chargers? You know they bring in Kellen Moore, they get off to a decent start offensively. Is this is this all defense with the Chargers?" A lot of it is, but I think the offense isn't great either. Uh, they, outside of Keenan Allen, they don't have anybody they can trust in the pass game. Uh, Clinton Johnson has been super erratic. They looks like they made a misevaluation there. Uh, the offensive line has been dinged up. Right tackle has been a rotation and problem for them. They can't run the football. They're using a running back right now who's more of a pass catcher than a actual back, and it makes them super imbalanced. And I'll just use the word soft on that side of the ball too. They don't have an edge to them by any means. And the defense is just, you know, misdrafted players and miscasted players. Uh, they also look like a team that's, I saw Andrew Mason shot them covers the Broncos, but he did a chargers look like a team. That's one, two, three Cancun uh, right now in the huddle, you know, just getting to the, uh, the finish line and getting to the off season. So team that really lacks depth. <laughs> they, ha- they have not drafted well uh, outside of the Cleo Mac move. Joey Bosa has been hurt like crazy. Derwin James looks like a shell of himself. I mean, this it's just a bad team. Yeah. Uh, lost overall. Five of their last six, they're, they're done. They've had some injuries, like you said, on the defensive side of the ball, but they're uh, and then holding on to a guy when play. Let's run out the ground ball. This is what can happen. You can get really, really embarrassed. You know, would you rather be the Raiders and play for something uh, and finish strong, or would you rather be the Chargers and tank and get embarrassed? It's uh, that's a tough one. Want to hit some of the some of the questions in here? I like the Bengals over the Vikings in this one, um, and then. Uh, Michael Grimmage says, how is uh, how is Arthur Smith's job safe? And he um, follows it up and says a report came out the other day that it was. Yeah, well, so what? Um, you know, I, I, I read that too. I don't I don't care. Um, your job's safe week to week. Um, you know, the old vote of confidence that that used to be a bad thing. The dreaded vote of confidence, you know, and, you know, Arthur job safe unless. Well, of course, there's always that unless they go up to Charlotte and lose let's talk about how safe his job is they tank the rest of this and finish six and 11 would it be i think so let's talk about how safe his job is eight and nine and eking into the playoffs i think you're okay but we're gonna have tough conversations about what are you gonna do for offense next year yeah um quarterback offensive coordinator all that stuff becomes comes on the table nine and eight you're okay ten and seven you know close this thing out with uh with I can't do the math on this four straight wins, which is possible with this schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, then, then you're, you're fine there. So again, it's safe unless well, no kidding. Duh. So we'll see. We'll see. It's not safe. 
It's no. not safe. But safe is I can lose the rest of my games and have a job next year. That's not safe. He's not no. safe. No, he shouldn't be. Uh, the way the team's underachieved, specifically on his side of the ball, and uh, you know the defiance, a little bit of a horse's, you know what, sometimes in the press uh, press stuff. It's uh, if they struggle down the stretch, and the offense specifically is not living up to it with how much they've invested in the si- that side of the ball, the run game and design too, uh, then should not be safe for sure. And we got Michael coming in and say, not football related. Nick, when is the baby due? Uh, about a month. So we're uh, coming down to the home stretch here. So it'll be here very soon. And uh, appreciate the shout out on that one. Yeah, it's it's getting really, really real <laughs> right now. We got Angel Reyes coming in saying, morning, gentlemen from El Paso, Texas. Good to see you, Angel. Hope you're doing well. And uh, uh, that just jumped on me. I wanted to show uh, Chase. Chase says, Atlanta's still in a playoff mix. They won't can him yet. Oh, I've said from for months not months, but weeks on this as the Falcons have struggled. Arthur Smith, nothing's going to happen in season. No. Um, even if they lose the next four, he will lose the next four. They, if they lose in Charlotte, they should leave him in Charlotte. But he, nothing's going to happen in season. So it, it comes down to what happens after season. I think there's going to be some staff changes. I think you know Dave Ragone's seat should be pretty hot because he is the offensive coordinator, which is basically a an assistant to – the offensive coordinator, who is Arthur Smith, who's calling plays. So there's a job opening right there. There's, there is a an opening for a job slash quarterback coach, uh, quarterback coach, play caller, offensive coordinator. That job is open. It's uh, it, it might be open if if Arthur Smith comes back. Um, yeah. Moving on to the next game on Saturday. This is another one with huge playoff implications uh, in the AFC: Steelers and Colts. Now, the Steelers have made things really hard on themselves by losing two at home to the dregs of the NFL by giving the Arizona Cardinals their third win and giving the New England Patriots their third win. The Colts are a solid rebuilding team. They can beat, the, and now they're at home. Can the Steelers get this thing right? Or is are they, is this, you know, the 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 end of the what is it like 15 non losing seasons in a row for the Pittsburgh Steelers? Something tells me the Steelers are going to get this one right. Uh, after getting embarrassed, like they have now they've had 10 days to kind of stew on it as well. And this is a, uh, a well-coached team I and mean, shout out to Shane Steichen. He's doing really well, but I just like the pieces on the Steelers defense better. Uh, Gardner Minshew. I know he's been out there, you know, you know, a little pop gun, a uh, quick, quick pass offense, but uh, I think TJ Watt might be back here soon. Jonathan Taylor's uh, dinged up. TJ Watt's been cleared from concussion yep. protocol. From so I think that's protocol. Some... Jonathan Taylor's out. Braden Smith, uh, offensive tackle, is out for the Colts. And TJ Watt's going to be going up against that backup right tackle. So I, I think I think the Steelers end up pulling this one out. Uh, I think what is the line is one and a half to Indy. So neutral field Steelers would be picked in that one as well, according to Vegas. Uh, so. I'll go Steelers. Maybe it's me just still having a hard time believing in uh, Gardner Minshew and not believing in Mike Tomlin and the Steelers. Uh, but we'll see. Mr. Bisky either. But again, it is a Mike Tomlin thing for me. Yeah. And also just the defensive pieces. I mean, uh, really, we were huge Keanu Benton fans. I got Hayward out there to like, mention TJ Watt, Minka Fitzpatrick's awesome. There's secondary outside of Minka Fitzpatrick's a big problem. Uh, and that's something they're going to have to work on this offseason if their offense wasn't so uh, inept. But uh, I think I will go with the Steelers on this one. My big question is, how does Mitch Trubisky handle the pressure that Indy is likely going to send in this game? Uh, Zaire 
Frank Zaire Franklin mm-hmm. uh, is the linebacker. They're sending him on a bunch of blitzes. Uh, he's racking up tackles like crazy. Missed tackles too, but he's racking up the stats. Uh, and um, they're going to have to be able to handle pressure. Yeah, and uh, and Brennan asked, is Jonathan Taylor back? No, he's not. Um, but they're running back. Why can, why can I only think of Zach Moore? That's not right. Zach Moss. Zach Moss, thank you. Has been really good this year. Um, some of their younger, they, they did really well in the draft this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Michael Pittman is a beast, but they've got a young wide receiver. Alec Pierce is starting to step up. They could probably use, they've invested in it. They just haven't quite found the tight end yet. And then Gardner Minshew, I like him better playing better right now than um, than what I see from Mitch Trubisky. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the Steelers, there's this faith in the Steelers, but if we go on who they are right now, they are a team that just lost two games at home to the two worst teams in the NFL. That's bad. That's bad. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say the Colts because I really like what Shane Steichen is doing up there, um, and you know keep rebuilding. I think they're I think they're a year ahead of schedule. Honestly, I think they're a year ahead, just like the Texans. I think they're a year ahead of where we thought they could be, uh, and and I like the I like the the Colts in this one. Now, real quick, you've had some interesting thoughts about the quarterback position uh, and what might happen in Pittsburgh this off season. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was never a big Kenny Pickett believer. Uh, he's actually outperformed my expectations for him. I don't think it's all his fault, uh, but that's a team that obviously needs a jolt in the arm, especially in explosive plays. Uh, they've just been so, you know, running a cloud of dust, two yards in a cloud of dust offense here with Najee Harris. Other than Warren, when he's gotten the ball, he was excited there for a little bit. But I think that this is a team that's going to hunt for quarterback, but outside of the top picks in the draft, that leads me to Justin Fields. I could see Justin Fields being a play for them. Uh, again, trying to get a little bit more aggressive. I know Mike Tomlin's made comments in the past about the complexity and the difficulties of going against rushing quarterbacks and that he wants some mobility at his position at the quarterback spot if he could choose. Uh, so I think that uh, Justin Fields would be a really interesting fit for the Steelers. And I close my eyes and I just picture Justin Fields in that Steelers uniform. Man, the aesthetic is so so clean uh so hard to do going from that those those dark i feel like the bears are black but they're not really black they're more like a black and blue type of black yeah dark kind of a muted navy blue yeah uh so that's a i think uh, fields would be very interesting uh in pittsburgh and that's one of the teams that i think honestly steelers and falcons are the two that make the most sense for me in the justin fields assuming the bears move on from him we'll see what happens there yeah um they can help solidify that number one pick. The Falcons can this week in Carolina. Um, another big game on Saturday night, Broncos and Lions. This one means more, especially if our Bengals pick holds true. Um, the Packers dropped one last week, giving the Lions a little bit of breathing room, but the Lions have been playing all that well. The, this one, this is a must win for the Denver Broncos. The, Bron- the Lions have a little bit of breathing room still. Uh, six and one Denver Broncos in their last seven going to Detroit. This might be the most balanced offense that they faced. I know what Miami Dolphins did to them. I know the Buffalo Bills are good, but the Buffalo Bills weren't playing that well. Uh, the, the Buffalo Bills are getting back on track right now. The Detroit Lions offense can beat you without putting the ball in the air, or they can beat you without handing it off. And it's going to be a uh, it's going to be a big challenge for Denver going into Detroit to keep their holy cow how did they get into the playoff race hopes alive yeah i it's not in a revelation here by any means but it's going to come down to turnovers uh golf is putting the ball on the turf and throwing it uh, to the other team at a crazy high clip if the lions protect the ball 
and are smart that way. Don't even have to hunt for every single explosive out there. But if the Lions protect the ball, they're going to win the game. They just match up better against the Broncos. I think it's a poor matchup for the Broncos defensively. Uh, I don't think they've a lot of opposing teams have put the Broncos linebackers uh, in conflict very often. And that's what this Lions team is going to do with the, their ability to use a running back and Sam Laporta, the linebackers have to keep their head on a swivel, understand their assignments, and avoid the eye candy. The Broncos have kind of negated that some with the first and second down blitzing that they've had going on. Uh, one of the highest blitz rate teams on early downs in the NFL uh, since week six. But uh, I really worry about how they're going to be able to stop that Lions uh, rushing game. It's not obviously not just the linebackers, too. It's the interior defensive line who has been a lot of the – Stats, when you look at the stats on their surface for the Broncos' rush defense, the advanced stats, it's like, okay, they've been pretty good. Massively elevated by fumbles. And fumbles are much more luck-based than interceptions even. Uh, There was a Harvard study 10 years ago that they said uh, turnovers are like 46% luck, which is a high rate. And I think they just said fumbles are like 65% luck because it's not only the fumble happening, but then recovering it at the same time. So it's hard. And the Broncos have way more EPA gained this season off of fumbles than any other team. I think the gap between the Broncos and the team at number two is as big as the, the gap between the team at number two and the team at like 26. Uh, so I worry about the turnover sustainability. We've seen them play a little bit better down the stretch, but if the Lions don't turn the ball over, I just can't imagine Denver winning this one, but they've been turning over like crazy. So we'll see. Right. And that's the big thing. You can throw all that out the door. If the Lions what do they have 10 turnovers in the last four games or something over the last seven games, they've got 14. So they've been giving the ball away twice and the Broncos lead the NFL in takeaways. I agree. It's going to come down to that. The Denver Broncos offense is going to have to step up in a way that they haven't had to so far in a win. They needed to step up and against Houston and they came up short. Mm -hmm. Um, They they're going to need to put 25 plus on the board, 28 to 30 points on the board to beat this lions team. Um, Yeah. And Luckily, I think they can, you know, as, as Michael says, uh, he says the Lions defense is not doing well lately. No, they're not. They've been pretty poor lately. And this is going to be one of the better defenses. The way that the, the, the uh, I, I think in the last seven games, Michael Rankio brought the stat in into a chat last night. In the last seven games, the Denver Broncos lead the NFL in third down conversion on defense. That's a pretty good stat, getting them off the field. Um, quick question from, it was from uh, Michael Dominic. He says, is Justin Fields originally from Atlanta? Yeah, I believe he went to Harrison High School in Kennesaw, which is about 20, 25 miles northwest of the city, um, kind of due north of the Atlanta Braves Stadium. So he is from Atlanta. He's one of the reasons I was a proponent of his for the Atlanta Falcons with the number four overall pick. Local kid. Um, they needed a quarterback. And I really like his skill set. Uh, hasn't quite lived up to that in Chicago. But we'll see if uh, if they decide to move on. I still think they'll recoup a, fir- a first-round draft, draft pick for him um, if they do decide to move on and go quarterback with that Carolina Panthers pick. Uh, could be could be really good. Um, so, yeah, just, if Justin Fields is on the move, I think the Atlanta Falcons have to be one of those teams involved. Um, and I'm with you, Scott. The Broncos – back to the Broncos line. Mm-hmm. Broncos offense is going to have to put up some points in this one. I don't think it's one where they can play this, you know, suffer ball, park the bus, where they are checking the ball down every single time besides, you know, one or two passes that go beyond 10 air yards and then run the football. They're going to have to be pushing the envelope a little bit more, and that invites chaos and turnovers and negative plays, sacks from Russell Wilson. We know all about that. Uh, but – 
I just think this is not one where you can play uh, chess with them, so to speak. You're going to have to play a little bit of uh, racing uh, with the Lions here. So we'll see. Like you mentioned, they could not do that against the Texans. They were putrid that first half against uh, Houston, a team that's much better defensively than the Lions, but similarly built. Bad against the pass, competent against the run. I, that means more is on the pass game than Russell Wilson. So we'll see. Uh, it's going to be... This is a big measuring stick game all around. We're going to find out a lot about the Broncos. If they lose the game, the season's not over. Uh, if you're going to lose any of the last four games, it's this Lions one due to tiebreakers with NFC versus AFC. Uh, but, man, a win or versus a loss here might be the deciding factor on the season because three in a row is pretty damn hard. Falling Sloth, good to see you. Says, howdy, y'all. Good to see you this morning. To you as well. And Eric Parker coming in on Facebook. He says, to me, fields could be better in Pittsburgh than Atlanta under Arthur Smith. Get rid of Smith first or give up his play calling. It may work. Fields don't need the embarrassment from Atlanta. He's already been embarrassed with Chicago's poor coaching. Yeah, there's the offensive structure in Atlanta is considerably better than what he's had in Chicago. Um, you've got three top 10 picks. You've got a veteran, highly paid offensive line. The structure for Atlanta's defense is set to succeed. That it's not succeeding is one of the reasons why we are talking about coaching changes, quarterback changes because it, it kind of boils down to there. But when you go across the offensive line, first-round pick, second-round pick, fourth-round pick, who's also the number two or three center in, the, in PFF, Drew Dahlman, Chris Lindstrom's arguably the best offensive lineman in the NFL. He's in the discussion. And then Caleb McGarry has his strengths and minuses, but he is a second-contract guy and an eight-figure right tackle. Drake London, Kyle Pitts, Bajon Robinson, Tyler Algier, Cordero Patterson. The offense is set up to succeed, and it's not succeeding. So... It's it's a quarterback friendly group to come in right now, um, and then you got plenty of money on the free agent side of thing to keep bolstering the defense. I would push back just a little bit about the infrastructure of the Bears. I think it's better on the uh, underneath than on the surface would indicate. They've been the offensive line is really starting to come together there. They got some actual like home run hitter blocking out there with Tevin Jenkins and Darnell Wright. I mean, they can move earth. I think they've been honestly they might honestly have been a better run blocking unit this year than what Atlanta's shown. And then I, as far as playmakers go, I'd probably take DJ Moore over anybody on the Falcons. Uh, and Cole Komet plays tight end better than any of the tight ends on the Falcons. Also, sorry. Uh, I had to grip my teeth. It's definitely gotten one. closer. It's yeah. definitely gotten closer, but I, I would take the 10 guys. I, I agree, but um, it's a conversation. Justin it's Fields and Desmond Ritter. We're having very different conversations. I agree. Uh, the big thing with Justin Fields kind of hinted at it with uh, Russell Wilson too, but he, he hits explosives, but not, he's not consistent enough. And the quick pass game has got a little elongated re release. Sometimes doesn't see it. Doesn't get the ball out there. doesn't pull the trigger quick enough. Uh, but I think you can live with that as long as you are eliminating the negatives, just taking too many sacks that are on the quarterback, too many interceptions. We don't need to have explosive after explosive. It would be great. That's something that makes him special. Uh, but if eliminating the negatives, I think that's been something that's been really coached to him over the last three, five weeks, and they've started to drop a bit. Uh, and the offense looks competent when you do that. So uh, it's uh, pretty crazy. We had a question here last week. We're going to move on to Giant Saints real quick because the Saints still have every good a chance as anybody else to winning the NFC South and making the playoffs. We had a question last week about the, the Giants making the playoffs. And we kind of, yeah, no way. That's not going to happen. Well, the Giants have won three in a row. And with only eight losses, yes, they're still in it. Nine and eight will probably get you a wild card spot. However, they now go to New Orleans, 
to Philly, host the Rams, host the Eagles again. It's gonna they're they're not gonna they're not gonna pull it off. Uh, it's a good story. I think Brian Dable is a hell of a coach. Dayball is a hell of a coach, but I think it's going to be a. Uh, it, it's been a fun story. Uh, Tommy DeVito has been a fun story, but we compared him a little bit to Drew Locke. Drew Locke at the end of his rookie season, I think it was, won mm-hmm. four games in a row without playing very well. Tommy DeVito is kind of in there right now. He's got a three-game winning streak, but his QBR and passer rating are actually worse than what Daniel Jones's were. This is just a matter of the Giants starting to play a little better and getting a spark. But Tommy DeVito is still not the answer there at quarterback. So they'll I'm not sure what they're going to do with Daniel Jones's contract, but I think this is this is going to be if they win this, the story will go on for one more week. But I think the Giants' happy run is about to come to an end. Yeah, the Saints, I think, are just too sound defensively uh, to really give up the losing to the fighting DeVitos out there. Uh, I think that the quarterback run game has been a big aspect of what the Giants have been doing here, whether they're getting the design quarterback stuff or just pure scrambles when it's not there. And shout out to him. He's shown to be a good athlete and made good decisions uh, when he has pulled the ball down. But I think the Saints, with how they're built defensively, you know, much more of a pocket-crunching unit, some size, and how good maybe one of the most underrated defensive players in football and Demario Davis is. I expect this to kind of come crumbling down uh, with the Giants this week. Six-point dogs in the Superdome. Uh, I think the Saints line up winning this one. They're just they're just better on defense. Scoreboard watching. Uh, the Titans and Texans has some playoff implication. The Titans are 5-8 and eight, but did beat the Miami Dolphins in improbable fashion in Miami last week. Uh, the Texans are one of those teams we mentioned up and coming probably a year ahead. So I don't want to say it's a trap game because they know that they can be be beaten by the Titans, but that's one you're going to want to keep an eye on when you're scoreboard watching. If it doesn't necessarily look seven and six versus five and eight, all that exciting jets, dolphins, no dolphins are in jets are out. Uh, Chiefs, Patriots, Chiefs need to get right. Patriots have been playing good on defense. Uh, got a win in Pittsburgh last week. They've lost six zero. Um, they won 21-18. They've lost 10 to 7. They've lost 10 to 6. That's a puncher's chance type of defense, Nick. Yeah, I mean, got a chance for sure. I'm uh be curious to see is there any specific matchups that you're interested in personnel-wise in that game? Any players that stand out? Uh for the the Patriots and the Chiefs, not necessarily. Um, I'm interested in, you know, quarterback play for the what what are the Patriots doing? And then uh you know, I, I still want to see the offensive skill players other than Travis Kelsey for the Chiefs step up. Who Who's going to be a Robin to his Batman? And this is a perfect game to see if that's going to happen. And I'm really happy the Broncos play the Patriots after the Chiefs so we can get a little bit of film study. It's going to be slightly different, but no team in the NFL does taking out your best pass catch weapon than what Bill Belichick and the Patriots do. They like to do a lot of bracket coverage. They'll do some like triangle uh, coverage with, you know, playing zone, but essentially isolating your number one um, in the game with like a cover two with a cover six on the other side. Uh, and that'll be a little different with Travis Kelsey, obviously, because he plays more big slot than anything, but they're going to take away the run. Isaiah Pacheco's dinged up. I'm not sure if he's going to play this week. The tackles for the, the chiefs have been dreadful this season and somebody that's named not named Travis Kelsey has to step up. So I am really curious to see the frustration here. Chiefs defense is just going to overwhelm the Patriots. Uh, so the Chiefs are going to win this game, 
but I think this could be a really interesting matchup for Patriots defense. The Patriots defense has been playing like a top three to five defense in football over the last six weeks or so. Uh, despite the offense being detrimental to what they're trying to do on the field. Uh, so fun matchup. I have curious to see if Mahomes gets frustrated again. Hopefully everybody can line up on sides. Moving on to the NFC South, the Atlanta Falcons can move back into first place with a win over to the Carolina Panthers uh, via division record tiebreaker. So there's a three-way tie. If all three teams win, the Falcons are the only one playing a division opponent, so they would move ahead, back ahead of the Buccaneers with a win. They're a three-point road favorite against the 1-12 Carolina Panthers. Does this look like easy money or a that's what it should be because the Atlanta Falcons play down to the level of their opponent? I'm afraid to say easy money, Scott, but I will. Uh, I think that this Panthers team, you know, again, one, two, three Cancun out here for them on that side of the ball. I, I don't fault them for that. Bryce Young has been poor this season, but I mean, the offense even doesn't know what the heck they're doing. It looks like the, the right side of the offensive line, the center and right guard have been dreadful in pass protection. They have nobody that can separate worth one iota on the offensive side of the ball. No explosiveness too. And Atlanta quietly has been having a top 10 defense uh, this season. I think they're going to be able to kind of dictate here uh, because of how poor the offensive line has been your weaknesses, as far as a pass rush unit on defense kind of get, bumped up a tad or I guess the weaknesses don't get bumped up. They, but they're, they should not be as much of a weakness against this Panthers team. Uh, so again, I keep saying it, what do we say is two inches of rain in this Carolina game. Desmond Ritter needs some God bleep, God bleep and stick them on his hands or something. Now you just do not turn the ball over. If you do not turn the ball over in this game, you win it going home. Uh, it's, it should be easy, but with how the Falcons have protected the ball this season, uh, no game is a gimme. So we'll see. But uh, if you protect the ball, this one should be within no doubt. Yeah, it, it should be. You'd think it was. Um, Brennan, and this was the game, the first game of the year in the in the, in the Benz. Jesse Bates introduced himself to Atlanta Falcons fans and didn't single-handedly win that game, but he was the difference in that game mm -hmm. uh, in Bryce Young's debut. The offense needs to uh, to pick it up. That is an understatement. That's a, uh, that, that's a for sure. And then Michael Lewitsky says, we lost the one win cards on the road, so I'm not surprised, against Kyler Murray playing his first ball in a year. You lost to the Vikings, who had won four in a row, with Josh Dobbs at quarterback, who was a cast-off from the one win, Arizona Cardinals, and didn't had just gotten off the Marta train to, to walk into the, the, the stadium in, in the middle of the first quarter. That's how long he'd been with the Vikings. I hate I, I hesitate to say it, but I'm like, nothing would surprise me winning or losing with this Falcons team right now. And that's a bad place to be. I, I mean, I would say winning would surprise me against a good team because they haven't played many good teams this year. When's the last time they actually played a legitimately good football team? I'll run backwards through their schedule. Tampa Bay, no. Jets, no. Saints, no. Cardinals, no. Beat up Minnesota Vikings, no. Tennessee Titans, no. Tampa Bay, no. Washington, no. Houston, 21-19 win at home, yes. Houston's a good football team. Jacksonville, yes, loss. Detroit, yes, loss. They're just, they're not a very good football team, Nick. Nope. And I expect them to lose this one. <laughs> so, no, it, you, uh, I mean, I mean the, the Falcons are not a very good football team. Oh, the, oh yes. Sorry, I expect that. I still think the Falcons will win this one, though, because the Panthers are 
dreadfully worse even. And uh, as Charlie Beagle says, they're in a crap division, hopefully not an explosive one. Uh, Charlie, seem <laughs> giving me a hard time about yeah, I've been on, I've definitely been on an explosive play kick just because of what the stats show, how important they are. And what I've listened to coaching clinics, that's what defense is about right now. It's like, we'll give you every, it's not bend, don't break, so to speak, but it is don't break no matter what <laughs> we don't want to bend either. But uh, how do you match the, the blitzes and the run fits up front while still playing too high safety. I'm really excited. Uh, it's not going to be a live show, but as soon as this show's over, Scott, I'm going to talk with uh, Cody Alexander, who's probably one of the best defensive media minds out there. He does a sub stack and runs a bunch of coaching clinics and whatnot, a defensive coordinator and assistant head coach down there in five, uh, a football in Texas as well. So I'm really curious to hear what he has to say about this uh, Broncos team and just defensive trends in general. So sidebar on that one. I'm just, I'm jonesing for that one. Yeah, I mean, I don't think anybody would be totally shocked if the Falcons lost. I no. don't. I, I, they've already lost games that you shocked that they lost. So it 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 wouldn't be totally surprising. Um, no. And if they lose, then we'll find out just how safe Arthur Smith's job actually is. Yeah. Uh, commanders and Rams Rams need a bounce back game to win at the commanders and they will stay in the hunt for deniers at Cardinals. That seems like a, uh, the four o'clock game is the one that nobody else will be watching except 49ers fans. And then the big one, there's two pretty big ones in the afternoons in the evening slots on Sunday, Cowboys and bills is a big one. The Cowboys have, uh, moved into the number two seed. They're in first place in the NFC East. They're probably the hottest team in football right now. Yeah. But they've been doing a lot of that at oh. home. They've been doing a lot of their good work at home. They've had a nice stretch there. Um, their winning streak, home against the Giants, at Carolina. So that doesn't count. Home against Washington, home against Seattle, home against Philly. Next two games, on the road against Buffalo, at Miami Dolphins, and then coming back home for Detroit. This is a big test for the Dallas Cowboys. And the Buffalo Bills need this one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is going to be a phenomenal game. Uh, according to the EPA metric, this is the number two versus the number four offense in football this season. Uh, they're definitely a team that uh, both these teams have quarterbacks playing at incredibly high levels. The Cowboys defense is significantly better than the Bills, but the Bills have been trending up a little bit. I'm really hope. I think this could be a similar game to the the fireworks and offensive explosion that we saw Eagles bills earlier, where maybe one of the games of the year, Scott, I mean, that one was phenomenal. Maybe the Rams Ravens last week too, is another one, but there's, this is a Titan matchup. This is one that if we simulated the rest of the season uh, or the beginning of the season, you know, a thousand times, this would be a Super Bowl matchup and a handful of um, outcomes. So I think I'll go with the bills in this one playing at home. I think desperation is key in this one. Uh, I think that, even though Dak is my MVP in a one game thing, I might take Josh Allen over everybody not named Patrick, Patrick Mahomes. Uh, he come again, comes down to the turnovers, but they're playing good football. Uh, if the bills weren't such a mess defensively, uh, he might even be the MVP. It's hard to do with the turnovers, but I, it's just all the metrics are phenomenal. He's playing quarterback. I think he's playing quarterback better than he has previously as well. Uh, so I'm going to go with the bills in this one. I don't love it. I, all I can say for sure is I'm, Excited beyond belief to watch this one. There's some similarities to this game and the one we previewed earlier with Detroit Lions and Denver Broncos in that if Detroit takes care of the ball, I think they they win. The difference with the Dallas Cowboys is 
Josh Allen could take care of the ball and they can still lose because Dallas is really good. So the difference for this one is if Jared Allen does not take care of the ball, they will lose because mm -hmm. Dallas will beat them. For them to have a chance, and it's better than a chance, but for them to win this game, I know it sounds obvious, but you're going against a guy who's got five pick sixes. You've got Micah Parsons out there. Dan Quinn's defense has taken the ball away from than, than anybody else over like the last three years or leading the team, leading the league in takeaways. And you got a guy who is prone to giving the ball away in Josh Allen. If he takes the only way that they win this game, they cannot win this game with a negative turnover ratio. Yeah. And even if they have a positive, there's no guarantee because I think Dallas on a neutral field right now is better than the Buffalo Bills. I think they're a more complete team. I think they're playing better. But I think Buffalo is desperate. They're playing well and they're desperate. That's a pretty good combination if you're the Buffalo Bills. And one thing also about this Bills team is, and we've started to see it with the Broncos uh, game that they had, but they're starting to figure out that this cook guy they have at running back is something that they can feature a lot and take some of the pressure off of Allen, not getting all the hits uh, constantly. Uh, so, I mean, last week the bills had a 0.12 EPA per play gain off of the run game per play uh, cook uh, with a 0.17 EPA gained per play, which is just, you typically have a negative EPA if you run just baseline because passing is so much more efficient than rushing the football. You're more likely to get, Big plays. I won't say explosives, Charlie. Uh, so I'm curious to see what this new balanced team that's making teams think a little bit more about the rushing attack with how they can get big plays off the running game too is going to look. I mean, I think we talked about it. Uh, also, I'm still don't quite understand how the Broncos beat the Bills because I think the Bills punted like maybe once in the game. They were scoring. It was score turnovers. turnover. Yeah, it's so I don't know, man. The outside the Ravens, the Bills, the team that scares me the most in the AFC and because they're desperate too. And they also, I mean, you give an NFL team or any football team, uh, the slightest chip, as far as feeling adversity, uh, they'll do it. And even though it's self brought adversity with this whole Sean McDermott, uh, nine 11 stuff, uh, they're rallying around it. And they're rallying. yes, yeah. you can find it. Teams will do manufacture this anytime they can, uh, looking to get that chip on the shoulder or something. You know, they'll convince themselves. They'll almost gas gaslight themselves into believing some stuff to get that chip and that energy. So, I think Bill's going to win, but I, it's going to be a hell of a game. I can't wait. Yeah, I, I think so too. I'm looking forward to watching this one, and I will probably go. I mean, GameCast on ESPN has this thing 50-50. It's basically the Bills are a favorite based on being at home. It's the it's a two point favorite. Uh, it's hard to believe, you know, the Cowboys are road dogs, but they are. I, I think the difference is the Bills need this one more. I think if this is a playoff game, I'd, I'd probably pick the Cowboys, but there's just that tiny little bit of, Hey, we're the margins are so thin that a 1% difference in impetus in we have to have this game, I think makes, uh, makes the difference. So I'm, I'm going to go with the bills on this one and we will see FC Donnelly says, I don't see it. Dallas is going to kill the bills that might drive a stake in the Buffalo bills. That might end it for them. And that's kind of why, you know, you get a team like this, see in baseball, you say it about your St. Louis Cardinals one, you know, and on a, on a two-year run, I said, you need a stake in holy water to put these guys down. That, that might be what it takes. And, you know, Micah Parsons and Dak Prescott coming north could be that stake in holy water. And I'm really curious to see about the, the leadership on these teams because, honestly, both these teams had their biggest monkey off their back last week. You have the Cowboys 
beating emphatically and getting uh, that matchup versus the Eagles where the Eagles have owned them the last, you know, two, three years. That's a matchup that they had to have. And then you had the Bills going into Arrowhead and beating KC, who's definitely been the the boogeyman uh, for the Bills here as of late. Um, so, I mean, I guess maybe the Bengals also a boogeyman for the Bills, but that's a big uh, benchmark for both these teams. So how do these teams refocus uh, and play better ball after the emotional uh, exodus uh, versus – or? That's not the word I'm looking for. The emotional output burst right. uh, that you see after you beat those two teams. I'm, I'm going to be fascinated. I don't know. I think the Bills are really scary. I'm pulling for the Cowboys in this one. I want the I want the Bills. You know, it's like Jeepers Creepers where you run them over once and it's like, okay, now back up the car. He's already dead. They're never dead. Get the Bills <laughs> out of the playoffs. They scare the hell out of me. Uh, but it's good. Be, should be a good game. Baltimore Ravens at Jacksonville Jaguars. Speaking of teams, the, the Ravens have a little bit of breathing room right now. They've got the number one seed right now. The Jaguars are. They're not desperate, but they're getting there. You know, they haven't played very well recently. They've only got a one-game lead on uh, the Texans. And um, they've got a, like a one-and-a-half game lead because they got the tiebreakers with the Colts. But they're both right there breathing down their necks, and they could find themselves in a three-way tie for the division at the end of this week. And here come the Ravens on Sunday Night Football. That is going to be a hell of a game. How you feel about this one? I think that the Ravens are going to take care of business. Uh, this is a credit to Trevor Lawrence. I don't know. You can say whatever you want about him, but the fact that he played last week after suffering that ankle injury the week prior is unbelievable. I'm sure he was, you know, chock full of what Toradol or whatever the heck they call it. Toradol. Uh, Toradol. Whatever shots. I mean, he probably was feeling nothing on that ankle when it was playing, but uh, this Ravens team is going to come after him and they're going to make him get off the spot. This is going to be one where he can't just be, you know, sit back pocket quarterback. They're going to move him uh, because they're going to be able to isolate guys in that pretty poor Jacksonville offensive line. Uh, so I think the Ravens, you t- we mentioned earlier, I don't know who you said, somebody be- else being the hottest team in football. I think it's the Ravens. They've won seven of their last eight. Uh, they're winning games in different ways. Also, which to me is always something, a mark of a good team. That's one thing that always scares me about this Broncos team is that every single win looks exactly the same. Can you win football games when this area doesn't work or this script happens? Ravens have been doing that over this. Uh, Lamar Jackson, even though the stats aren't as good, I think he's still top three MVP uh, for me this season because of the gravity he plays with. Yeah, the Ravens are number one, I think, EPA per rush team in football this season, even though Lamar isn't running like normal. It's not because Gus Edwards is an amazing running back. It's not because their offensive line is first-round pick after first-round pick. You lost Mark Andrews, your best pass catcher weapon on this team too, and they're still a crazy good uh, offensive efficiency this season. Lamar is playing better quarterbacking, I think, than we've ever seen from him. Uh, so I th- he needs to be there in the conversation with me, Scott. I put him at third behind Dak and Purdy uh, right now, but I'm going to go with the Ravens. They are the cream of the crop in the AFC, and I think they're going to take care of business versus the Jags. And I think Lamar's been leading some MVP races. He should, he should be. You know, I, I, it was early in the season, but I don't hear it now. I had this guy on my page talking like, oh, you know, Dak Prescott's nowhere near an MVP level. He used to win a Super Bowl or, you know, make a playoff run. I'm like, guys, the MVP is a, a regular, regular season, season award. Yep. award. And they award it before the Super Bowl. So your criteria for what you're judging Dak Prescott on is irrelevant. You can laugh at that for all you want, but you're wrong. Uh, Michael Lewiski says Ravens will take care of the Jags. I agree on this. We talk about desperation. We talk about this. When one team's better than the other and we start talking about matchups, it doesn't necessarily matter if Jacksonville, if, if the Ravens come in and play their game, you look at the, the Jacksonville Jaguars were hot 
you know, they won eight, seven of eight or so. They got blown out at home by the 49ers. Okay, well, the 49ers are really good. But there's a theme here. They're three, they're two and three in their last five games. They beat Tennessee. They beat Houston. Then they lose to Cincinnati. Then they lose to Cleveland. So their three losses come to San Francisco, Cincinnati, and Cleveland. What do those teams have in common? I don't know, Scott. Tell me. Good defense and running games. Travels. Good defense and running games. What are the Baltimore Ravens going to bring to Jacksonville? Good defense, good defense, and, and running games. Yeah, I, I think they're. I, I think the matchup is not does not bode well for the Jacksonville Jaguars, and the race is going to be on in the AFC South. Yeah, it's going to be exciting out there, no doubt. I mean, the Houston lost like all their weapons too, right? Like Tank Dell after the year, Dalton Schultz has been injured. Nico Collins is hurt Nico now. Nico Collins got hurt. Uh, I don't know the status. I remember seeing he went down. Is Hamilton done for the season? Uh, Kyle Hamilton suffered an injury last week. I don't. I think I read it was a knee. I don't know the extent of it right now. Uh, but he's been he's one. Listed been... as questionable on the official report right now. Okay, so um, not for the season. He might be out. On what yeah. they've been able to do with Kyle Hamilton's ability to blitz has been phenomenal uh, out there. Mike McDonald is. A re- there's a reason he's considered one of the the head coaching candidates. We'll we'll have to talk coaching again at some point, Scott. Because uh, might do that Monday. Yeah, maybe. Uh, <laughs> That, that might be a bad thing for the uh, Falcons if we're talking about that on Monday. <laughs> if the Falcons uh, lose, we will do a recap. We will do uh, more coaching candidates on Monday morning on the Falcons podcast. One game we didn't talk about, Scott. I just wanted to give a shout out to it. We did, you know, we're not covering every single one in here, but one that I think is going to be really interesting uh, is this Bears versus Browns game. Uh, Joe Flacco has been playing crazy football. He's just out there saying, F it. I'm going to chuck it down the field. His air yards per attempt has been like the most from a quarterback this season by a lot. Um, he's really just throwing it down the field. He doesn't care what happens. Uh, but the Bears have been playing really good defense as of late. Everybody's talking about the turnaround from the Broncos defense because that 70 point game. But the Bears were down there in terms of the efficiency stats, too, with the Broncos when they met up early in the season. And since then, the Bears have been playing like a top five defense. And I think it's the metrics show it's more sustainable uh, than what we're seeing from Denver. Uh, the Montez sweat trade really just changed the entire defense for them. Uh, they've been awesome, and the they're starting to play well. And on the other hand, Brown's best defense in football coming in, the metrics love them, uh, but they are dead man walking, Scott. It's injury after Grant Delpa gets a contract out for the year. Mo Hurst out for the year. Denzel Ward still hurt. Zadarius Smith goes down. Uh, Amari Cooper is playing injured. Uh, their tackles have had injuries. Nick Chubb is out for the year. I mean, it's just, it is crazy the amount of injuries on this Browns team. Uh, if the Browns make the playoffs, we maybe should talk Kevin Stefanski for coach of the year, especially with all the hoopla around that team with uh, Deshaun Watson. But uh, that is a, uh, this is a, a matchup I'm fascinated against because it's a mash unit for the Browns right now. If the Bears win this game in Cleveland, they are in the playoff discussion. Yeah. Back from the dead. Another team back from the dead. The Bears were, God, they started off 0-4. They started off 1-5 too, and they lost mm-hmm. their next two. So they I can't even count that many L's. Four, five, six, seven. So they were 2-7. and seven. They're sitting there at 5-8 and eight right now. With eight losses, that means their best record could be nine and eight. Nine and eight gets you a playoff spot in the NFC. Nine and eight will more than likely get you a wild card spot. At Cleveland, if they win that, they come home and host the Arizona Cardinals. They host the Atlanta Falcons, and then they go on the road to Green Bay in what could be a play-in game for a wild card spot against the Packers. That would be so great. That would be so great. Those two teams hate each other. Oh my God. I grew up in the middle of that, but 
Packers Bears, man, that is those they those fan bases cannot stand each other, and it's very much little brother big brother syndrome. So that's too, a, so. that's a good call. I think that becomes very. Who's the little brother with Chicago and Green Bay? I mean, Green they, Bay has owned Chicago. Have they? Okay. Oh my God, Chicago. Chicago. I mean, with you have Aaron Rodgers yelling in the stand saying, "I'm your dad." Uh, when he scores a touchdown, what's the yeah. overall the the you know the monsters of the midway? They've been playing a long time. I'm ser- I'm curious what the all time record is. I can only tell you since I, I started like watching, pretty even. I all time maybe in the '80s. I grew up in the '90s, Scott, and it's been Favre to Rodgers and embarrassment after embarrassment with the Chicago Bears. Uh, so I don't know well, what it is. I mean, that, all that's, time. that's recency as you're saying, but again, I mean, that's 30 years, <laughs> that's not that recent, but again, there's been 207 games between the two teams as of December 4th, most in the NFL history, green Bay is one Oh six. It's one Oh six to 95 with six ties. So over the course of it, it's, it's pretty even, Yeah, it is pretty I, even, but it has been one sided here. Um, for, for a bit recently. I mean, it, the chiefs could be saying the same thing about the Broncos, you know, through the yes. course of history, it's uh, it's been pretty even that through the uh, the Falcons and Saints, you know, the last 20 years has tilted really heavily towards the Saints, but it's been pretty even um, through the years. So really, that's a good shout. <laughs> All of a sudden, it, it, they're good. The Chicago Bears were one of the most fascinating teams last year with their with, with what they had with draft picks and salary cap space. They've got the draft picks again. They've got a quarterback on the roster that could be a commodity and they've got salary cap space again. So for the off season, the Chicago bears, especially if they start winning the questions around, what are they going to do are going to be fascinating. An enviable spot. These are good problems to have, uh, but we got to wrap it up, Scott, because I got uh, that interview here in five minutes. Yep. So, we're uh, out of here. want to thank everybody for joining us on coast to coast today. As we run through a lot of the NFL games, we didn't touch on the Eagles and Seahawks. I think the Eagles put a stake in the, uh, in the, in the, in the Seahawks this week. On Monday Night Football, but that will be a good game as well. Want to say a special thank you to John Harrell, who opened us up this morning, kicking, uh, sponsoring the show. Good morning, Scott, Nick, and crew. Happy Friday. Happy Friday to you as well. Just want to say another special shout out to you for the super chat that you brought in. Uh, it helps keep the lights on, helps keep my forehead nice and shiny, helps kick off our weekend for us. Uh, Nick and I will be back on Monday on these channels, Monday at uh, 9 a.m., and then we'll hop over to milehuddle.com to talk Broncos. Should be a very interesting weekend. And, and we'll see. We'll see how everybody's feeling after, after, this, after this weekend. So thanks to everybody for being here. Enjoy a hell of a football Saturday with three games of playoff implications. Leave a like on your way out. I only see four, and one of them's mine on the Facebook page. I know more of y'all are watching than that. Give us a like and a share. And uh, until then, we will see you on Monday. I hope you all have a great time.